Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 4th of July 2010, entitled Getting Serious About Evangelism. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and uh, we're going to be reading uh, the first four verses. As we stand please, for the reading of God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Please be seated. It was uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon that uh, once said, and I quote, If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. Okay? If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. What was Charles Spurgeon meaning when he said that? Well, he was basically saying that we need to get in the way of sinners that are bound for hell. We need to get in, in their way. And um, we need to get in their way with the gospel. And um, the message that I'm going to preach this morning is entitled, Getting Serious About Evangelism. And uh, if we're going to get as serious about evangelism, we need to um, ask ourselves three important questions. The first one is, what is evangelism? The second is, why is evangelism important? And the third one is, what is your role in evangelism? The first question, what is evangelism? Well, I don't need to go back into the Greek uh, to understand what the word evangelism means. Basically, it means uh, the preaching or the promulgation of the gospel, which basically means to declare the gospel. That's basically what evangelism is. And um, we see a perfect example of the meaning here uh, from Paul. Let's just turn uh, to um, our scripture readings. We're going to read verse 1, and we're going to look at the first part of verse 2. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, remember he's talking to the Christians here at Corinthians, but he says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved. So what is evangelism? Well, it's basically when one or more people declare the gospel to another that they may hear and get saved. That's what Paul's basically saying, you know. And um, those Corinthians... Once they received the gospel that Paul delivered to them, they got saved. 
okay? And um, I wonder, can you still remember the day when somebody declared the gospel to you, you received it, and you got saved? Can you remember that day? I can remember it. To be honest, you know, we think about, um, you know, uh, one day with the Lord is a long time, but, you know, sorry, one day is, is, is a thousand years with the Lord. It's just put like that. You know, I can remember the day that somebody came into the garage that I worked at up in Lancashire 20 years ago last month. And he came in the, into the garage with a Bible. And he started to show me things from this book, in the book of Revelation, about the great judgment and about how I needed to become a Christian and to get born again. And I can remember that day. It was just like, honestly, it was like yesterday, 20 years ago, but yesterday. I wonder, can you remember the time when somebody came to you, they declared the gospel, you received it, and wow, wow, wonderfully, you got saved. I wonder, can you remember that day? I wonder when was the last time that you, as a Christian, when was the last time that you ever went out to somebody and you declared the good news to somebody, they heard it, and they got saved? When was the last time that you declared the gospel to somebody, to a lost person? Was it the last yesterday? Was it last week? Was it last year? We need to be continually declaring the gospel. It's so important. I wonder, do you know that we as Christians, we that have received the gospel and have believed it, we have a great responsibility to deliver this news to the lost. Let me just turn to a few script, couple of scriptures. Just turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. You see here Paul here uh, talking uh, to these um, Romans. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. And let's just see here the responsibility that is laid upon us as believers. He says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How? He goes on to say, And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? Can you see here the great responsibility that Paul was trying to show these believers, that they were to deliver the gospel to, to the lost? And uh, it says in verse 13, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how can they do it unless they have believed? And how can they believe on him in whom they have not heard? It's impossible. They need to hear about the Lord Jesus. Let me turn to the Old Testament and uh, just turn to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40. And uh, let's read what the psalmist says in verse 10. Well, let's just turn to verse 9 first. Uh, the psalmist says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared 
thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. So we see here very simply that the psalmist says that he has not refrained his lips from the great congregation of people. And he's preached righteousness. And he says in verse 10 that he's declared the faithfulness and the salvation of the Lord. And he says, he goes on to say that he has not concealed his righteousness from the great congregation. And I wonder how many of us here are guilty of concealing God's righteousness from the great congregation of lost people. How many of us keep our lips closed when we should be opening and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ? We see here the responsibility that we all have as Christians. What is the gospel? If somebody came to you tomorrow morning and said, what's the gospel? Can you, can you simply just explain what the gospel is? You know, many people will come out with different uh, different uh, views, different um, explanations. Um, But basically, gospel basically means good story, the good story or the good news. And that's basically what the gospel is. But we see here in 1 Corinthians 15 that Paul tells us what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3 and 4. And let's just see very simply what the gospel is. He says, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I uh, received. Yeah, Paul received uh, this gospel. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And verse 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So there we have it in a nutshell. It's basically the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the good news. That is the gospel that Paul received, but he also he delivered to these Corinthians that received it and were standing upon this truth, and they were saved. That's the gospel. And do you know that that's the best story that you can ever tell to a lost person? You can come out with all kinds of talk, worldly things, Well, that is the best news, that is the best story that you're going to ever tell an unconverted person, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, in um, August, uh, we're going to have a a holiday Bible club. If if you'd like to be a part of it, if you can help in any way, please come and see me. But we're going to have a holiday Bible club, and the theme of the holiday Bible club is going to be the greatest story ever told. And you know that we're going to be having children, God willing, from around this area, children that have never heard this story before, children that have had it heard, but it's been distorted, you know. But we're going to tell these children the greatest story of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and we're going to do it in three days, God willing. And we're going to let these children know the greatest story, the gospel message. How do, we, how do we declare this gospel? How do we get it out? How do we let these people know? Well, how did Paul declare it? Did Paul sing it? Did he mind the gospel? 
Did he dance the gospel? Was he using Christian magic to get the gospel out? Well, let's just have a look at what the scriptures tell us here. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. And notice the Bible says that it's the preaching. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. And verse 2, By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I, what's the next word? Preached unto you. So we see here very clearly that the way that we get the gospel out, the best way is that we preach to the unconverted soul. Now, I'm not saying that we can't use gospel songs and uh, some of these things. I wouldn't go as far as using Christian magic, but, um, you know, there are things that we can uh, use, um, like music, but we never, ever replace it from this book, from preaching the gospel. We never do it. If we want the power of God upon the message and upon the preaching, we have to use this book and we preach the gospel. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we sing and we dance and we mind the gospel. He says it's simple. We preach the gospel. As, is it, there's a, an advert, isn't there, on TV sometimes about, um, is it Mercat? It says simples. It is. It's simple as that. Preach the gospel. Now, let's just, um, unfortunately, preaching seems to be old hat today, doesn't it? You know, we're not up with the times and we're not really getting modern with the, the ways that we're, we're getting the gospel out. And Christians seem to be trying to find all sorts of ways, new ways to get the gospel out. But, you know, the most powerful way to get the gospel out has never changed and it never will do. God's word tells us the best way is to preach the gospel. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried about what other people say. You know, preach the gospel. And let's just have a look uh, and get some confirmation upon this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, first chapter of Corinthians. And let's just have a look at a couple of verses. Verse 17, and notice what Paul says here. He says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of, w wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And that is exactly what happens when we replace preaching with anything else to get the gospel message out. Yes, it is. We're using our own wisdom. And the cross of Christ is made of none effect. Notice what it says down in verse 21. It says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching pleases God. That's what the Bible says. It's God's method, and we need to be using it. Notice what it says, chapter 2 and verse 1, down to verse 5. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was preaching the gospel. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, 
and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And uh, notice um, that it says here, that it says that it's been done in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And that's what happens. That's what goes alongside when we preach the gospel. The spirit is upon it, and God's power is upon the preaching of the word. Praise the Lord. Somebody once said, what you win them with, you win them to. And that is very true. What you win them with, you win them to. And this is why I believe today we have, there are many worldly Christians because they've never really had the gospel truly preached to them. You can go to church after church around this land today and the gospel is never really preached at all. It isn't. And if it is, what is it? Two or three, five-minute sermon, and then that's it. Second question that needs to be asked. First one, what is evangelism? The second one is, why is evangelism important? Well, first of all, it's important because Jesus Christ commanded it, and he commissioned it. Let's see in verse uh, 20, sorry, chapter 24, Luke, chapter 24. And um, we're going to have a look at a couple of verses here. Luke 24, and remember this is um, at the time uh, of uh, the ascension where the Lord Jesus Christ is going back uh, into the glory. But he's speaking here to his disciples, and he says in verse 45, he says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved, Christ to suffer and to rise from the third day. Sorry, to rise from the dead the third day. And then he says, verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So here we see very clearly that Christ is commissioning, he's commanding his disciples that repentance which is, remission, uh, which is turning around, turning to the Lord Jesus Christ, and remission of sins is to be preached, again, we see that word, in his name among all nations. That is God's command and his commission to his disciples, and it follows on. Let's just turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1, and uh, remember that the, they were going to receive this power when the Holy Spirit uh, would be upon them. And when uh, that was the, the day of Pentecost, but just before we get there, just let's have a look at how the Lord reminds them of the words that he's spoken to them again, and he gives them their command. And we see that in verse 1, um, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The former treaties have I made, O, o Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and Teach. So these were the things that Christ was teaching. And uh, notice down in verse 2, he says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given, what's the next word? Commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And you see here that Christ gave these commandments to the apostles on that last day. And notice down in verse 8, 
He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And this carries on today. We have the Great Commission today. But it's Christ who commanded it, and that is the first reason why it's important. And we notice on the day of Pentecost that Peter preached the sermon and thousands got saved. And from that day on, the, the gospel message has been preached time and time again. And people have been getting saved through that glorious gospel message. Christ commanded it. And um, you know that we are often, as Christians, we forget that this is a commandment that Christ has given to us. And we should keep it and obey it. Let's just have a look at John chapter 14 and see how important the commandments are to us. Jesus says, chapter 14 in verse 15, he says, If you love me, what's the next three words? Keep my commandments. Psalm 119 speaks a lot about the word of God and about the commandments and the law of God. Uh, the psalmist, in two of the verses, verse 27, he says, I love thy commandments. I wonder this morning, do you love his commandments? Well, we might say, yeah, I, I love this and that, but what about evangelism? What about the Great Commission? Do you love his commandment to reach the lost with the gospel? That's one of the commandments. In verse 143, the psalmist says, thy commandments are my Delight. Are his commandments our delights this morning? Do we delight in speaking to the lost about the Lord Jesus? Declaring the gospel? I wonder maybe we don't love the Savior as much as what we think we do. You know, if we say we love the Savior, but we're not involved in outreach, we're not involved in any kind of evangelism, then you have to question that you really do love the Lord, because that's one of his main commandments. We're commanded, commissioned to go and to preach the gospel. Why, why, why else is it important? Well, it's also important because sinners are condemned without evangelism. If they're not going to hear the gospel message, they're going to be ignorant and they're going to die in their sins. Let's just have a look at another scripture. We've, we've actually looked at this one this morning. Well, let's just have a look at it again. Romans chapter 10 and from verse 13. Uh, it's good just to be reminded of uh, this verse, these few verses. These are so important. Uh, Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if somebody's going to get saved, they need to call upon the name of the Lord. But they also need to hear the name of the Lord as well. It says, How then shall they call in him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And then here comes your part. It says, And how shall they hear without a preacher? You know that preachers, this is the... the most important ministry, the most important job that you can ever do. 
We're, we all have a part in this ministry. We may not all have a part in standing in a pulpit or going on to a mission field, but we all have a part in declaring the gospel message to the lost all around us. And verse 15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? If they don't go, if you don't go, yeah, how are we going to preach? How are they going to hear? How are they going to believe? It's impossible. And they're not going to get saved. People, uh, sorry, Paul knew that people needed to hear in order to believe and get saved. Do you know that at this time, there are more people around this world that know more about the World Cup than what they do about the new birth? That is a fact. That is a fact. I'll just illustrate that fact. Last, no, two weeks ago, I uh, did a, a delivery to one of my customers, a Muslim man, and I mentioned to him about Jesus. He'd heard that before. He'd heard about Jesus being the Son of God. He'd heard about Judgment Day. he heard about all these things. But when I got to speak about being born again, about the new birth, it was like I was on a different planet. It's something that he'd never heard before. He didn't know what the new birth was. And I had to explain it to him in order for him to hear it, receive it, get saved. God willing, he will. But at least I've given him some information that he didn't know before. But there are many people out those doors that are ignorant of that truth today. They do not know what born again means. But they can tell you who is in the semi-final of the World Cup. Oh, yes, they can. We're living in a nation that is ignorant of the gospel. And we have that message. We have that good news. Not only is it important for sinners, but it's also important for churches because if churches don't evangelize, they're going to die. If there's no new blood, if there's no new people coming into the church, eventually that church is going to die off. Let me just show you a few uh, scriptures. Um, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Um, it's all about vision. It's all about looking to the future. It's all about having uh, an open vision. And it says, chapter 29 and verse 18, and it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know that a church needs vision. But there are many churches today that don't have any spiritual vision at all. And they're just week by week coming into the meetings, doing the same old things, but there is no outlet so that there can be an inlet. It's all stagnant. It's all inside. And there's no going out. There's no reaching the lost. And there's no bringing anybody in. And a lot of these churches are full of elderly members, and eventually they're going to pass away and the church is going to just... We've seen it. We've seen it, we've seen it in the black country. You know, we've seen it around Dudley area. And we're seeing churches that are just... That, that are going to die off eventually if there's going to be no new people coming in and taking over. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he spoke to the churches, didn't he, in Revelation, and he gave them some warnings. Let's just have a look. Uh, chapter 2 of Revelation, 
And he was giving them some uh, very solemn uh, warnings to see the importance to have vision and to see their duties as a local church. And um, we read from verse 1, chapter 2, he's speaking to that local church in Ephesus. He says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. So they had a few good things about them. They didn't like these people that were teaching false things. And in verse 3, and it says, has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. But verse 4, he says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left thy first love. You see, this church at Ephesus had neglected some of the most important things, their duties. And you know that one of the most important things for the church is to evangelize and to get the gospel out. That is one of our first, that should be one of our first loves of this local church here. It should be to reach the lost. And he goes on in verse 5, he says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Why? Or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And we see here that a church was in danger of losing its vision. It lost its vision. The most important things. And you know that that's the same for many churches today. They're losing their vision. And it's dangerous. And they're going to have their candlestick removed. And they're going to become useless. Oh, may it never happen to this church here. May it never happen. But you know that for that not to happen, we need to be doing the first works. We need to have that first love. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ, he needs to be first in our hearts. And if he is, we're going to let other people know about him. I wonder what is our vision like for lost souls this morning? We need to ask ourselves as individuals, do we have that vision to see the lost get saved? And third question that we need to ask is this. What is your role in evangelism? What is your role in evangelism? Well, your role is basically to confess Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 11. Philippians 2 verse 11 makes this very, very clear. Let's just go back to verse 10. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we know that this has um, a view of the future judgments, that, yes, one day every knee will bow and will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, no matter who they are, whether they have died rejecting Christ or whether they are 
the saints, whether they are the believers. But it's also meaning, I believe, for today as well, because it says that every tongue should confess that um, Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is our role as Christians. That is our role uh, in evangelism, and it's to confess Jesus Christ as the Lord. I wonder, is our tongue doing that today? Is our tongue going to do that this next week? When was the last time that your tongue spoke to somebody else about the Lord Jesus Christ? We're all different. We all have different opportunities. We're all in different places. But when was the last time you spoke to somebody about Christ? Maybe, are you afraid? That's not unusual. That happens. We all fear. Sometimes when we're speaking to people, there comes a trembling. But you know, the Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. And we can overcome that fear. You know that one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. Let's just read about a few uh, verses about uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, we also, we can read about Moses as well. But let's just uh, turn to one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, Jeremiah. Let's just have a look at a fear that Jeremiah had of speaking of of the Lord uh, to his people. And in a way you can understand, you know, Jeremiah's fears because his people were rebellious. They were idolaters, you know, they were probably not going to respond well to his uh, preaching. But let's notice what it says in verse 1. It says that the um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 and from verse 1, it says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, and uh, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 30th, sorry, uh, 13th year of his reign. And um, we go down to read, In verse uh, 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, this is to Jeremiah, verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, he says, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is what Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And in verse 8 he says, Be not afraid of their faces. Why? For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And he goes on to say, verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Wow, what a wonderful word of encouragement that Jeremiah received of the Lord just as he he said that he couldn't speak and that he was a child. What an encouragement this is for us that are fearful, that we tremble sometimes. We don't know what to say. We don't know how we're going to speak to that next person, maybe at work or somewhere. But God says here, he says, don't say that I'm a child. But he says, I shall send thee. 
You see, he's commissioned Jeremiah to go like he's commissioned you and he's commissioned me. And he's saying here that he's going to touch his mouth and he's going to put his words inside his mouth. And that is a promise that we can take from God for us as individuals, that he will give us the right words to speak at the time. He will. Why don't you put God to the test and try him? Try it this next week. God is able to touch your mouth and to put his words inside. Your role in evangelism as an individual is to confess Christ. The second role here we see, and we're going to finish on this, is our role as a local church. And, uh, you know, the church, the local church is to evangelize as a body, as a group. You know, there's um, a saying, isn't there, that there are strength in numbers. Yes, we can go out and we can uh, evangelize individually, but what about when there are two and three and four and there's a group? You know, it's much better to be in a number of born-again Christians who are one in spirit with you, delivering the gospel. There is strength in numbers. Why do you think the Lord Jesus Christ sent them out two by two? Matthew chapter 18. Let's just have this uh, re-emphasized here. Matthew 18. And uh, <clears throat> it says in verse 19, he says, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching what? Anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And then he says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You know that there is something about numbers. There is something about a group who are one, who are together in the same belief. There is, an, there is encouragement. But there is a, a power there as well. And the Bible says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. The Lord Jesus Christ is there with us in power. Wonderful. We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear. You know, one of the first times that I, I ever got involved in evangelism was, I think I was probably nearly a year as a Christian, and um, there was a group that used to go out. Uh, this was um, in Sydney in Australia. They were called the Commandos, and they used to go out on a Friday evening down to King's Cross, and um, they used to go out. And, you know, there's no way I could have done that by myself. But, you know, a brother came to me and he said, Steve, why don't you come out with us one night? Why don't you come out? There's a group of us going. We've got leaflets and we're going to talk to people on the streets. And, you know, he said, basically, you know, uh, just, just be with us. Just, just be there. And, you know, these, this group was a real encouragement to me. And I can see today the importance of what happened those many years ago. It gave me an encouragement because I was with other brothers and sisters that were with me. There's something about numbers. There is. And we need to be, as a, lo we, we, as a local church, we need to be as a body, reaching the lost out there to encourage one another and to have that, the Lord's power upon it. And, um, 
You know, uh, well, I wrote a question when I was um, I was uh, thinking about this, about the rest homes. You know, sometimes I do get disappointed, sometimes in the numbers that we have at the residential homes. And, you know, sometimes the residents ask, where is this and that person? Because when we go, they know who comes. They, 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 they can remember our names. They, they remember who we are. But, you know, when there's only a, a very few of us sometimes when we're going, you know, it doesn't really enforce the message that we're trying to bring because I can imagine maybe one or two thinking that if the Lord Jesus Christ is so great, if the message that you're bringing is so good, why are there so few of you bringing it? That's a reality. If it's such a great message, we should be there in a bigger number. And we should be there on the streets as well, if we can make it. And, um, you know, Paul is doing all he can here to exhort, to evangelize. And he's encouraging the local church to do that as well. One last scripture, Philippians chapter 1. And we see here that he's exhorting again the local church to strive together. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. And it says, Paul says, that Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we can see here very clearly the importance of being one in the spirit, one in mind, but we're uh, striving together for the faith of the gospel. May that be an encouragement for us as a local church to work together, to get the gospel out. Look, there is enough ministry from this church. We can't complain and say that there is not enough going on here for us to be involved and to get encouraged with. There is. There is. There's enough evangelism going on. If you can make it, please be with us. We need, your, we need your number. We need your strength. We need your encouragement. You need it as well. And two last questions I want to ask this morning. First one, have you received the gospel? Now, I've preached the gospel here this morning. Christ died for our sins. He died for your sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Have you received that by faith into your hearts? Have you become a Christian yet? If not, why not? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The second question I want to ask, if you have received the gospel, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get serious about evangelism? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for these words of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for the encouragement that he gave, Lord, to these uh, Corinthians. We thank you that he told them exactly what the gospel was. He delivered it, and they received it, and they got saved. And we thank you, dear Lord, that it is so simple. Oh, Lord, the gospel message needs to be preached. We thank you, Lord, for our local church here. And we pray that we can be more involved in the outreaches.
And also, Lord, help us as individuals as well to just seek those opportunities. And dear Lord, if we do have fear, Lord, help us to call upon the name of the Lord. And we know that you will save us, Lord. You will save us out of that fear. And you will give us the words. You will give us that strength and power. You've promised to be with us. And we just remind you of those promises and ask, dear Lord, you'll help each and every one of us here to evangelize, to get serious about evangelism. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.